Golf Podcast, presented by Golficity, where we bring you the tips, instruction, and support you need to get the most out of your golf game. And now your hosts, Frank and Mike. Hey guys, welcome back as always to the Golf Podcast. This is episode number 373. Uh, And today, in a minute, we're going to dive into this idea of how to know when you're swinging too hard. Guilty. Uh, who's not right <laughs> who's not guilty and and that's where we're going to talk about and the interesting part about it is that it may be at different times we want to dive into even not just the physical but the mental side of it is like what are those triggers what triggers you to over swing it a little bit so not only we're going to discuss again like some of the cues from fundamentally of the swing but also the things that might lead you to put yourself in a position to kind of make a bad decision and and really playing good golf is about making good decisions you're absolutely right man and i do appreciate you using me swinging like a caveman as the photo here when i saw the face that you made on this i had to use the screen swinging too hard yeah (laughs) Uh, but you even say it you you announce it before you do it how many times if you guys watch the videos you know mike is saying here comes the chiropractor special now that being said i will say and no matter what level of golf you're playing at there are times when you do need to dial it up Mm -hmm. or the times when it makes sense to dial it up you might have a very long par four that starts with a wide open tee shot you know big fat fairway is staring at you and it's just like too juicy you know and and again that's what it comes down to is that risk and reward because there may be other times where on the card the number's long but it's super tight right it just doesn't make sense to try to do it but again so that's where you got to know when to dial it up and when to dial it back so we're going to dive into that because there really is just there's so many uh, nuances and 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 caveats to this but that's what really comes with learning this game and and learning and understanding the difference between something we've said this before a a powerful swing and and a hard swing and and power really comes from speed and how do you generate speed i think i they they could kind of work hand in hand but just thinking of it that slight difference of i want to make a fast swing then a a hard swing because hard kind of immediately insinuates that you're going to be getting like the death grip yeah. and, the, mm. and the hands and the arms into it rather right. than just using the natural flow of of a nice big shoulder turn and using the lower body to generate speed yeah you know makes sense, and you yeah. think, think of some of like the biggest long hitters on tour like even like a dustin johnson it's just like a, a really powerful fast swing but you never look at like dustin johnson gritting his teeth and it just looks like he's like you know a like hard swing. doing Bryson <laughs> swinging hard you know, you know what a I mean? lot of what he does, it, it kind of like gives it because he has a like, long drive feel even with his like setup where he's just rocking back yeah. and forth and just like, oh, you know what I mean? Right, right. And, and also, you got to understand, Bryson is at that complete, there's a, there's a wide spectrum and he's at the one end of it, mm-hmm. you know? So he's doing it, but he's also, want, some of the stuff we're going to talk about, like fundamentals of balance and stuff. The reason Bryson can do that is he's so sound in his fundamentals. He's able to maintain balance. He's able to make center face, you know, sweet spot strikes time and time again with his ball striking while at the same time swinging a bit like an animal. Yeah, and it's it's, it's very, I don't want to say funny, but when he misses... He did miss recently. Remember he yeah. that one? Yeah. Him, like, so when he misses, yeah, he misses. Right. But that really becomes the difference between him and us is that we will far more often miss in a bad dramatic way. Correct. So you, you got to have those fundamentals down. But like I said, we're going to dive into all that. I'm excited to get into it. And I also want to get into this week's Twitter tap. And before we do, of course, we want to thank a few of our sponsors. First and foremost, Titleist. And guys, we're excited to share with you guys some exclusive opportunities from Team Titleist. But to be a part of them, you have to 
go through the process of joining Team Titleist. But the good news in is it's easy to do and it's free. All you need to do is go to Titleist.com slash Team Titleist. We are part of Team Titleist. We have been for years and we've got the benefits of it, of you know some Team Titleist exclusive merchandise, mm-hmm. getting invited to different events. It really gives you access to things that you wouldn't otherwise have. Prototype testing, as I said, special events, that limited edition gear with the cool TT Team Titleist on it. Uh, really to be a part of that, all you got to do is go through and sign up. Go to Titleist.com slash Team Titleist. It'll take a few minutes of your time, and it's worth it. And it's so cool seeing in, in our Facebook group the shout-out, so many of the Team Titleist community uh, jumping in there. And, two Titleist has been such a great and longtime supporter of the show and of the podcast. So when people support us, of course, we want to support them back. And it is, it is with pride that we say we are part of Team Titleist. And we love to have you guys join the team, too. So go to Titleist.com slash Team Titleist to join up. And we also want to thank FootJoy, guys. How excited are we, Mike, about the new Hyperflex series? Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. it's a, and it's funny, when they were first coming out with them, that we were talking to the team, like, like we got something for you guys. Mm, yeah, something They're you guys like, are going to love. They knew we were right. going to like this one. But the, the Hyperflex, you, I'm sure you've seen it. It's been a big talk. It's been out there. And it really shows how FootJoy has put so much of what they learned and really made a shoe that is truly tuned for golf. Every detail and design, uh, every every single detail was designed with the golfer in mind, starting with the top. You know, First of all, they, they look awesome. I love all of them in the series. They come in some great colors now. But they've got that upper mesh material. It really forms to your foot. And and we talk about, and we're going to talk about in a minute, things like balance and rotation. Yep. Mm-hmm. Really, don't forget, it's your connection to the ground. We talk about like the importance of tires on your car. It's like that's where the rubber literally meets the road. It's the same thing with your shoes. If you're going to be able to be able to apply these ground forces, you got to know that you've got a shoe that's fit. You're not moving around in it, and you're able to really make that connection to the ground. So that that upper mesh really makes you feel like you're you're connected. And then you've got that rapid fit system that really gets you dialed in with that precision fit. And one thing that when I first saw that upper mesh, I thought, mm, I love how that's going to feel and look, but is it water? proof and guess what sure it is. is it doesn't seem like it because it's such a breathable material but it is waterproof and then on the bottom you've got that strato foam uh that midsole and the optiflex outsole and all what it is is just a whole lot of technology that goes into making a really incredible shoe and it's available now in both that rapid fit system which i love and the laced i've got one pair in laced and one pair in rapid fit both of them just like i said really comfortable feel like my 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 foot is just is just secure and i can make the swing i want to swing but check them out go to footjoy.com you guys got to give the hyperflex a look uh they're they're just really been changing the game this year um but all right what do you say we drive into diving this week's twitter tap in yeah let's do it so this week what do we ask we ask if you could steal any pga tour players short game right who would it be and why now before i even looked at the answers of this i i i Guessing a lot of Phil Mickelson responses, right? Because right? he's you like, think Phil, you think short you game, think, right, right? Right. So now I'm curious. Well, guess what? The very first one here. Hold on, I just want to make sure I've got it. The first one from uh, Jeremy Booth. He says, "Lefty. He does some crazy stuff, uh, but he knows his club so well and plays every shot um, as if it's going in every time." Uh, does that mean I can steal his wedges too? <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> but it's true. Like we talk about on, on the podcast, how often it is for 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 having confidence, and he's confident, 
and he's confident in it because he's been he's been doing it for so long. He, these guys practice like you can't imagine short game. Um, but how many now I'm thinking back of my own short game shots that have gone bad because of a lack of confidence. Right. I just I feel like I'm I'm not committed to the shot and I decelerate and it's a disaster. But stealing a little bit of Phil's confidence would be key. would be great. Yeah. yeah. I mean I I I personally for me um I I think like a guy like Xander Shawfly. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a guy who's like consistently. I think he's in the top eight in strokes gained putting. He's he's really good around the greens. Uh, so there's a guy you can learn a lot from. And and one of the names I'm hearing a lot of, which I didn't think I would see, is Spieth. Mm. So Carter Moss says I got to take Spieth. Everything he does is so smooth, and he's a master with each club around the green. And his putter is a whole different conversation. So that's probably why I, I wasn't thinking Spieth because mm-hmm. you think putter, right? Short game, but he is right around the greens. Yeah, For sure, no doubt. And then here, uh, Ed Detuzis has Seve available. I'll take his legendary short game all day. Current players, I'll take Jordan, like you just said. But yep. but that's that's a great one. If you go back and watch old clicks clips of Seve, and and he was so, cr- and I think this is the so such a cool part of the sport. It's especially around the greens and short game. That's where a golfer can really show off their creativity, right? Because there's no just one way to play a shot. You know, you think about we talked about last week ch- chipping trajectories and things like that. But here too, you have it where you have this this option that you can play shots different ways, and 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 you can be creative. And every golfer can be different. It's so much finesse. It is. It's such a beautiful part of the game. Absolutely, and more speeds. Josh Hinkle. Spieth, just a wizard, plain and simple. Even Adam Sutton said Jordan Spieth. So a lot of Spieth out here. Now, here's one that I instantly thought of before Xander, and Spider Rico says Patrick Reed. Now, Patrick Reed's an amazing short game player. Mm-hmm. He's great yeah. out of the bunkers. Uh, I think he ranks first on tour in strokes game putting. So, I mean, how can you how can you not give him a look? Yeah, so. yeah. and Jason Myers says... Uh, Justin Thomas, his imagination and touch is top notch around the greens. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a guy who's really got it all. That's a guy who's got work. it all. And you know what? I think of I go back to that moment talking about imagination. Do you remember when he had that putt and there was the the green had been you know what kind of roughed up where someone had stepped and on he it was like a eight foot putt and he actually chipped it in chipped over the he chipped over it with his wedge. Talk about creativity. Talk about confidence and knowing. In yeah, a million years. Yeah. Well, eight eleven. They would not let us back. <laughs> they wouldn't let me back. <laughs> on the ever. green, on the green, forget about it. But yeah, there's just so many, and, and that's what I like about watching the PGA Tour too. There's just so many guys with so many different approaches, um, and it it just it just shows you there's a lot of different ways to do it. Could you imagine if I pulled a wedge out on the green? Everything would stop, and it'd be like slow motion, and you would be like groundskeepers going, "No, yeah. right, right, right." <laughs> they come running out. Drama music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But look, I think if there's something here, as as golfers, we're all always looking to learn. I'm sure that's why a large part of why you guys tune in every week. If you're like us, you know, we're just l- trying to learn. And one way to learn is to watch other golfers and, and just study and try to steal little things from them. It, it's, it, you know, it, it's, it's just little things that you can learn. And, and we recently had, uh, we played around um out there with um, with a guy who had played in the 2012 U.S. Open, and I made a comment in that video, which as of when we're recording, it's probably not out just yet, but it will be out soon. And I said, I know it can be intimidating sometimes to play with golfers who are much better than you, um, but don't don't use that as as a reason to not jump on that opportunity because even if they're not actually out there doing like a playing lesson and teaching you, right? There's just so much you can learn from watching. And we did that while we were out there. Not only what we're going to talk about this topic in a second of making a controlled swing, mm-hmm. but just watching the way that they approach their short game um, 
and just you can learn something. You can learn. You like, can. And I actually learned something right there where I had a uh, talk about short game. I had a ball that was sitting just off the green on the fringe. So uh, the back half of the ball was in the rough and the front half was on the fringe. Mm-hmm. And I made the mistake of trying to putt it. And the putter got caught up in all of that rough and it just kind of, it, it went nowhere. And I ended up three putting because my second putt was left still so long. So I, I called Mark over and I'm like, Mark, just show me, how would you have played this? Because I've heard different things. I've heard people using like the nose of the putter and 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 he had said, well, one good option a lot of people will do is, is the hybrid. Yep. Mm-hmm. But he said he in particular likes to belly a wedge. And what he said was, just use your normal putting stroke and use your wedge and try to make center contact of, of the, the leading edge of, of the wedge on the middle of the ball. Yeah. And he said, the reason is, is the wedge, unlike the putter, because it's not that flat face, will kind of glide through that rough that's behind the ball and it'll just hit it. And he's a lefty. He used my righty club and he still he put it to three to like feet. feet. I know. Ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so much closer. But again, that's where you can Did, learn something. Didn't Spreck teach you the same drill at Sleepy? Or was it a little different? Were you on the fringe? I was same place, but Spreck had me use the toe of the putter. In that oh. case, so I turned the putter and used the toe and just kind of popped. It's interesting. It. Scene. And he said the same thing though. You could have used the the hybrid, right? But anything that prevents the face of that club from getting grabbed with all that rough, but it happens. You know, it's a weird, tricky lie. And when you're just off the green and it rolls and like that, the back of that ball is just leaning on on rough as tall as the ball. Yeah, you got to find a creative way to get out of there. But that's what I'm saying. Like playing with other golfers, it'll it'll help teach you. Absolutely. And by the way. We have a Sleepy Hollow playing lesson with Kevin Sprecker on the books for the end of this month, May. Yep. Can't wait. And I know you guys have said before, you'd like to see those playing lessons with We learned Kevin. so much. But, so much. You know, and, and learning from different people, we've actually, this year we've lined up and we're going to try to diversify that a bit. We've got a bunch of different instructors that we're going to be doing playing lessons with. We're going to be doing one with the Ledbetter Academy at Crystal Springs in just a few weeks. Doing that. We're doing one with Ryan Hager at Plainfield Country Club. Right. A lot that's, of coaching playing lessons. Look, that's what I say. Which I, I, love. I, I I'm a big proponent of like as an individual golfer working with one coach so you can get established. But I'm also I also like this idea of mixing it up and learning from some different people. And this is what it presents that opportunity for us to do that. I'm gonna take it. Every time. I mean, just just a real quick thing before we dive into this is um I uh, took my daughter for a one-on-one lesson last night, and just it, it, one thing that the guy pointed out that no one's ever, not even me, pointed out was that her left arm is not straight. Hmm. So he wants my eight-year-old daughter to wear the the ball around her neck with the, yeah mm-hmm. still to keep it in because if she straightens out her arm, he's like she's going to get way more distance, more consistency, everything like that. It's just little things, and that was a new coach I've never been to. Isn't that a tour striker device? I don't know if it's theirs. I think it was. I think it was. I you gotta check. That. You know, the one he had yesterday wasn't, so I don't know who was the original. Yeah. But there's, I know there's one with a lanyard that goes around your neck and then it holds There's the ball one there. with two little, uh, you know, the like the rubber workout bands? Yep, yep. You put them on your wrist. I've seen that. I've seen the one where it's actually like sleeves of a, a lot of different ways to try yeah, to accomplish shirt, the same type of thing. Stuff, yeah. yeah, exactly. But I'll tell you what, Mike, let's do a word from our other sponsors and then we're going to dive into talking about this idea of how do you know when you're swinging too hard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So big thanks to Golf Tech. I mean, we love working with these guys. 195 locations in the United States. I mean, there's probably one near you. Go online, check it out because this is why. The offer that they're giving our listeners. Too good to be true. $75 for a swing evaluation and or $75 for a club fitting. I mean, come on. You know, I mean, if you were in the market, say, for like a new putter and you were like, man, maybe I'll go for a putter fitting, you can now get one for 75 bucks. And it's definitely something to check out. And you can go to golftech.com slash golficity. 
to get that deal. Now, I wanted to mention this new Clubs for a Cause program they're doing. Really cool program. Basically, all you do is you, you, we all have junk, right? And they might not even be worth anything. So you'll fill out a quick form. You'll get the value of the clubs. You'll even get a shipping label from them. And then you box them up and you ship them out as a donation. And then the donation value of the club is going to go to a charity that supports uh, diversity and inclusion in the game. So I love that Golf Tech is making the game more accessible for people. And that's what they're doing through this initiative. That's why we love working with them, not only for their amazing instruction and their coaches and their club fitting and all their knowledge, but for the stuff that they're doing off course. So yeah. go check them out again. Once again, golftech.com, dot com slash Golficity. Yeah, we'll have that link in the show notes as well. But I, I tell you what, that's what I love about golf in general is the give back. That's it. There's so yep. many great people in this game who love to give back, and the golf tech team is definitely one of them. So let's talk a little bit about this swinging too hard. And if you've ever done it, which you have, we all have, you know what it feels like to swing too hard. But we all get it. Look, hitting the ball hard is fun. Sometimes it just feels good to just take that stress out from the office and just go out there and, and rip one or two. Yep. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to help your game. Maybe that's <laughs> A little bit left for the range, but, um, you know, I understand too, you may have gotten the reward of it, if the ball, you know, getting just sailing really well a few times, but you also know how much of a disaster it can be because there's going to be this point of diminishing returns. The harder you swing, the more difficult it becomes to have that great ball striking that center face contact. And I always remember this and, and I'm, I know I'm just paraphrasing. I don't know the exact quote, but where Tiger Woods said that the lesson that he once learned, and I think it was from his father. And he said, look, swing as hard as you you can so long as you can make center face contact because sure there's an a, a ability that we have to you know what it is to swing even harder but you know that the chances of you making good contact go way down absolutely but this is why also i believe in this idea of testing your limits and it might be go to the to the range and swing as hard as you can and and feel what it feels like to be out of control from a balance and ball striking position and then now you know that's my limit i've taken it too far and back it back down or go the other way swing 70 percent 80 percent 90 100 and then go to 110 120 and feel what it feels like to slowly lose control so you know what it's like to, to stay inside of control yeah and mm -hmm. backing it back so that's where that's going to help. But also understanding that there's going to be a point of diminishing returns where you're putting in so much effort and you're getting less. And what I mean by that is as you start to get less center face, you know, solid sweet spot contact, mm -hmm. you're going to get to a point where you're going to lose a little bit of distance. So swinging, let's say, for example, 90% and making perfect center space sweet spot contra contact might go further than swinging 110% and catching it out a little bit towards the toe where less of the, the, the club's, you know, masses and center of gravity is because don't forget you're taking it's simple physics you're taking the mass and the that you're generating with that club and trying to apply it to the ball yeah i'll never forget walking down the fairway at ball to with club champ greg angelillo mm -hmm. he tells me hey mike on that last drive he goes listen swing lighter the ball will go further mm -hmm. and i said to him i go how and he said the exact thing he goes you're not hitting center face he goes i notice when you slow things down you connect and the ball travels mm -hmm. he goes that's how you're supposed to do it yeah so and if there's anybody to take advice from it's, yeah, it's, greg. it's greg and so we might ask ourselves like what's the difference between a hard swing and a powerful swing well one thing to get that's so important and we talked recently about like things like tempo and rhythm and why it is that some of the 
best golfers, you think of it like Freddie Couples, look like they're swinging so slow, but mm-hmm. yet they're generating so much club head speed and they're hitting the ball so far. Well, a big part of it is because understanding that it's all about maximizing that speed at the right moment. Right. A good fundamental swing is going to create things like lag and stuff so that that, that club is slowly building speed and up until that point of impact where we see a a swing that looks like it's an overswing or too hard, a lot of times it'll be not being patient enough at the top in the transition and getting too much of the upper body and arms involved and yanking that club down. So it looks like a really hard swing, but you're creating so much of your speed high up in the swing and then losing it actually before you make contact right, with the right. ball because you've you've wasted it back here. And that's what we talk about like casting and tossing the club. Mm-hmm. So the best players create speed in a way that's consistently ramping up the speed, but really waiting until that last moment. Because honestly, I don't care how fast your club head is traveling back here. It only matters when you hit when you when you're making contact with the ball. Right. Yeah. So it's all about building that. So okay. Next question is how? <laughs> exactly. like, how do you do it? Okay, that right. makes sense. How do you do it? Well, one thing, and this is something that I have become obsessed with and i know i have a long way to go with it you know we talk about this all the time we're learning the game just as much as you guys are so we've got a lot of room for improvement but at least knowing where to put my time and energy and one has been balance the more i learn this game the more i get the opportunities to talk with these top teaching professionals the more i research it and read books by all of you know the 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 bests and hogans and stuff like that the more i realize how the best golfers obsess about balance yeah mm-hmm. and i had not really thought enough about this and now we're getting a chance to use some high tech equipment uh, we did a great you know video on our youtube channel of the the salted golf um the 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 actual insoles smart insoles that go in and and measure balance anytime we work with some of the the best teaching pros throughout they they're working with like balance plates and swing cats and stuff like that and you realize how important that is because really there's a lot going on in a swing golf swing is difficult but to make sure that that ball that face makes contact with that tiny little ball in the right little spot it really requires balance. The slightest bit off balance, and you could be all over the, the face. The slightest bit. You're absolutely right. Yeah. The slightest bit, and that's it. So how do we keep the balance, Frank? Because well, this is what I'm struggling That's with the good yeah. thing. It really comes down to understanding that every golfer is different, and we're always going to lead you to this, so we can only talk about some of the broader fundamentals here, but individual golfers may struggle with different things. That's why we always say get a lesson and get that, but I want to put it on your radar, the balance. But for me, what it was was I was worried, remember, and we did that lesson with Kevin Sprecker recently where I was worried about early extension. Right. And what it found, ultimately, I'm worried about like, how am I moving my body, my hips and stuff? And we just found that I had at setup and throughout the whole swing after setup too much of my weight forward towards my toes, mm. which caused me to fall forward towards the ball as I swung. So, and we've talked about this here on the podcast, how the setup is so important. The way I, not a fixed, I can't say fixed because it's it's an ongoing process. But what I did is Kevin just had me get into a mount, more balanced position before I started my swing and feeling the ground. He actually had me just lift my toes up a little bit, yeah. which forced me to push my weight more back towards the middle of my feet. Mm-hmm. And by just doing that, 
I was able to, I started from a more balanced position and I made a more balanced swing. Yeah, and that's one of the ones he taught me during that playing lessons was that the, the phrase he used was jostle your feet to feel the earth beneath you. Yes. To know that you're balanced. And we did that. I'll never forget. It was the, the 11th hole. I hit an eight iron into that green. It's sleepy. Right after he gave me that quick tip and I stuck it. It was so yeah. such a great shot. And I remember looking at him and he said, that's why I'm the pro. Right. He said that line because he goes, I was not feeling the feet. I was more balanced in that shot and i even looked back at the video we put out the other day at uh, the stealing clubs challenge at crystal and a lot of my drives after i was done swinging through the ball i was like falling over yeah saying like am i swinging too hard where's all my weight so it's good to watch your 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 uh your swings back on video because i definitely need work on this and you know what you got you got immediate feedback there that balance because all you changed was your balance and yep. you hit a great shot. Right. And and this is why too if you find that you're someone who's struggling with playing well on the the course but you're like a, a range hero um it could be your balance because at the driving range we have the luxury of hitting every single shot from a completely flat lie. Then we go out to the golf course and it starts to challenge us but with different like in, in those cases I know sleepy hollow very undulating mm -hmm. and and there's certain spots where you're going to be on a side hill lie downhill lie now it's all about rebalancing yourself from that position and a lot of times when we hit a bad shot it's because the ground forced us off balance so by just again being aware of it and no matter what the lie is or what you're standing on trying to get yourself in a balanced position is important but it's just all about again becoming aware of it because i can tell you i play this game for so long without really being aware of my balance right and that's helped uh, another thing is making some room for acceleration another reason why a lot of us swing hard is because we don't do some of the most important fundamentals of of guys who hit the ball a long way you watch them on tour have incredible rotation especially the upper body mm. some of these guys yeah. i mean they can achieve stuff that i'll never achieve you know because the flexibility that they're able to put in but these guys get these huge, huge shoulder turns, right? And that's where that they generate a lot of that power because they give so much more room to accelerate. If you find you're not doing that, and, and again, everyone has different bodily limitations. I get that. And that's where in some of these lessons we've worked on, some of the pros have said, well, you know when you've gone past your own individual range because, again, this is like overswinging. It starts to hurt your ball contact. Uh -huh. But know where your range is and work on it. Work on things like flexibility in, in your off season and your off time. You can do things like yoga and stretching and stuff like that. But if you don't make those big turns, you end up trying to overcompensate for it by, by again, getting swinging too hard, like pulling down and trying to, to overcompensate for it. Instead, it might be better to swing a little bit more slower and controlled, but make a bigger turn and give your body more chance to unwind and use those physics. Okay, okay. So focusing on, on your shoulder turn can be a big thing. And the other thing is just really using your lower bat body you know you really want to make sure your hips are in charge of starting that downswing by turning them aggressively towards the target pretty much as soon as you can after you as, as you get to the top really we've talked about this a lot using those hips um i think a great analogy again for all of our baseball players out there is when you realize how much of throwing you know a, a great pitch really comes with using your legs and pushing off sure. and things like that. And and that's where it might look nice and smooth, but yet you're throwing these blazing like 90 mile an hour fastball versus try not to use your lower body and try to throw the ball as hard as you can. Yeah. And it just like becomes this crazy jerky motion, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and it's just like, and that's where it looks like it's hard, but it's not really generating that much speed. Right. And that's where you start to realize that. So 
whether it be baseball or some other sport that you've played before that show that really emphasizes using the lower body, try that and you'll know you'll quickly notice that like that's where a lot of that power comes from. So use that lower body. So that's important. But now we t- we kind of hinted at this earlier in the show. We're going to talk a little bit about mental game. Those are all physical components of the swing, all part of the fundamentals, but it really so much this comes down to making the right decision. So if you, you find that you slip in this bad habit of swinging too hard, once you get to like, let's say it's the first tee, or maybe it's in these situations where you're, let's say it's a par three and for round numbers, you hit your eight iron 150 and the flag is at 155 mm-hmm. and you say things like, I'm going to muscle up my one, right. my eight iron or whatever. This is the stuff that often leads to swinging too hard. You try to do a little bit too much with certain things, or it's a, a par five where then that second shot, there's a carry and you can either lay it up or you'd be like, you try to rip it. Right. Well, the thing that happens is you end up making less solid contact because you've overswung. So there's a decision making process there. Yeah, there sure is. I mean, uh, I'm trying to think. You just had me think, and then I just lost my train of thought. Sorry. Well, well, I'll come back to me. A big thing comes back to like just not using enough club. So let's just start there. There are so many instances where it you can immediately reduce your chances of swinging too hard or overswinging by just taking a little bit less club. In that perfect example there, you, you say... I can probably get my eight iron there if I swing as hard as I can and right. make good contact, but I can definitely get my seven iron there. And I'll tell you what, that might seem like too much club for your seven iron, but I will tell you all day from experience, it is easier to back off a seven or choke down a little bit on a seven than it is to try to make that perfect contact and muscle up an eight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was going to say about the choke down. I mean, if you do choke down that seven in that scenario, then what's the worst case? You fly it a little bit over your target. Right. And things like that. So that's I mean worst case, but but I think no matter what, it's going to be easier to make solid contact with a seven iron in this example swung at eighty percent than mm. it is an eight iron swung at a hundred and five percent. Right. Sometimes so, you may get lucky. I mean, remember I just posted that video. I, I left my eight iron on the other hole. Right. And I needed to use a nine or something, and I said I'm going to muscle this up. Yeah. I got there. But that's probably one out of 10 that's going to happen. It was probably the wrong choice. And that's it. Put your pride away to a certain extent because you know what? Your ball's sitting there on the green. It doesn't care how it got there. It doesn't care. It doesn't care if you hit a a six iron 150 yards. Right. It's on the green. Right. You know, and that's what we'll talk about. Another tip here is just try, like, sometimes it's just this uh, mental thing we have of just kind of keeping up with the group. If you are playing with a bunch of good golfers and they hit the ball further than you and you try to hit the same club they've hit in certain situations, knowing that's not your game, like, you know, we've all seen the memes and stuff on on Instagram and everything where it's, again, this 150-yard shot and, and all your boys are out there with their nine irons in their hands and you're holding a seven. Right. Right? But you know what? Play your game. Play your game. Just because they're all they're all debating other whether to hit a wedge or a nine iron, it doesn't mean that you should. Stick to your guns and hit what you feel comfortable with. Don't try to keep up with the group because what you'll end up doing is you'll lose your rhythm, you'll lose your tempo, you will overswing it, and you can do too much. That's like when people ask, hey, Mike, what club did you hit there? I say, it was my 150 club. Right. 
Yeah. What I hit 150 and what you hit 150 are two different things. Exactly. And literally, you and I are usually a club difference. Right. I usually, you know, you will hit a 150, you'll hit a nine iron or something, I'll hit the eight. Right. And that's just what it is. Yeah, but no game. matter what, like I said, that golf ball doesn't care how it got there. It's on the green. And the other thing is just trying to do a little bit too much. Sometimes it'll be we're playing that long par four, uh, and then we're just like, we we want to give ourselves enough to to get reach into so we'll try to hit our driver a little bit harder than maybe we should mm -hmm. and then now the ch the chances may go out the window of hitting getting there in two because now you're in the woods and you've got to punch out on your second shot and try to get your third shot there right so there's just going to be depending on your skill level there's going to be certain ones where some holes are just not reachable in the number of strokes that you'd like it to be reachable in don't make the your life harder or worse by over swinging and swinging too hard well one of the tips i have for in a situation like this like imagine you're standing over uh, your second shot on a par five and you have a chance you have a look to get there it's like 240 245 maybe that's a stretch for your three wood like perfect on the button mm -hmm. i'll usually mentally stand over it assessing the situation and saying not even worrying that i have a chance to get home the goal for this shot for me now is to get on the green yes however what happens if i am short what happens if i don't reach it what do I have left over? Yeah. I've got a 30-yard chip up to the green with my money club, the club I'm most confident with. So that mental aspect, I'll stand over that with. So then I get up there, it'll hopefully, hopefully keep me away from swinging like a caveman. Yeah. Knowing that if I get on the green, bonus. Right. So maybe it's just a different way you attack it. It is, and it all it's treating it on a hole-by-hole -hole case. Like There's certain ones of those par threes where it's like, yeah, even if I come up short, I'm not in trouble, but other ones where it is, the green might be protected, there might right. be water, there might be things like that. But in that case, you have to choose, do I want to lay up or whatever it may be? But if there's not, no trouble in front, that helps that mental process of not over-swinging it. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. it's like, okay, I, I'm not going to try to over-swing it to have to have to, like it's, it's you know, live or die here that I got to hit that green. If I come up a little bit short, I got a little chip or pitch shot. That's it. Big yeah. No big deal. Right. So again, it's all about A, playing your own game and B, just being knowledgeable of, of your game and what you're capable of and what you're not capable of and playing the risk reward. That's what golf is. It's just knowing that like this is, it's getting too risky to try to play this shot. The smarter you play the game, the more the game will reward you for it with better scores. And, and good golfers are smart golfers who play within themselves very controlled they know their game there that's one big takeaway from playing with good golfers i've i've learned is that they're not often surprised mm -hmm. you know they're not surprised but like how did i miss that or whatever like stuff that you hear us saying right they know because they went into the shot with a plan knowing that what are their chances of being able to execute it and if it's a low chance they don't try it exactly and that plan sometimes even go as far as what happens if i miss my target what does my next shot look like Right. I don't. I never think about the shot after the shot I'm standing over, yeah. and it's a problem. It's a problem. It's a great thing to do to get in that exercise of working from the hole backwards. Correct. Right. And thinking what shots. Now you'll need to adapt when you don't ultimately execute exactly how you want. But you get the point. It was like the one at uh, with with uh, Mark the pro at Suburban on that par three when he goes, if you want to, if you're going to miss, miss left. Yeah. You know, like he was, you know, explaining, you know, what your next shot should look like. Right. Right. And they're very good at not going after sucker shots, yeah, sucker pants. Like us. Like <laughs> we just get the, the mouth watering like, right. I want that pin. That's where our brain whatever. goes, right. So it's all about learning and getting better. So guys, uh, you can get to the show notes of everything we talked about today by going to golfsc.com slash episode 373. And also jump in the conversation. If you've got something that's worked for you, and so many of you have been great about this, especially on YouTube and Facebook where we post a video and you have a chance to post a comment. I've seen so many of you throw in your own experiences of what works 
worked, what didn't work. And we learn from it too. We're learning from you guys. We're all learning this game together. So throw it in there. Also in the Facebook group, we encourage you guys to share your experiences and we appreciate every time you do. So uh, we'll be back, of course, next week. But thank you again for tuning in. Remember, you get to those show notes by going to golfist.com slash episode 373. And we'll see you next week.